Hello everyone and welcome to the Neutral Game Podcast. I'm your host Mirdrag, aka Real Soviet Bear, and with me is my co-host Colin, aka 6264. Hey folks, how's it going? This is this is the part where the folks can say it's going well or not. Oh. Um and anyway, um today's episode is gonna focus a bit on uh theory crafting and just us trying to use our years of finding game, reviewing, design experience to kind of talk about um, things we feel fighting games can improve a bit or just explore a bit more. Um, mostly because, at least from my point of view, the genre, after kind of its renaissance, has become a bit stagnant and hasn't really been motivated to improve too much. Um, with a few exceptions, but in general, it's been kind of the same formula, the same uh, basic requirements and expectations, you know, arcade mode, story mode, tutorial, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like there there's less, I don't know, like, the fighting game community isn't really pushing games hard enough to try and get better as a whole. Like, I think we're we're seeing, like, some great fighting games come out as far as like the competitive play, but we're not really raising the bar on a lot of other elements like accessibility or like, you know, single player content or a whole bunch of things that we're going to, we're going to talk about going forward. And I feel like, like we were planning on talking about this anyway, but I feel like this situation was kind of aggravated by your experiences with Tekken six. Is that, or Tekken seven, excuse me. Was that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to talk about this for a few months now, but, um, Obviously, we already did an episode on Tekken, and, and that was mostly a um, after a month after release episode. Um, I've been playing it actively since then, and I'm kind of uh, dropping it for a lot of reasons. Some of which um, we'll touch upon here, but it's mostly like um, basically I don't know what to do. That that's basically the point with uh, the game doesn't tell me what to do, and that annoys me because. I usually play fighting games, and <clears throat> when I do reach some kind of uh, ceiling, I know what that ceiling is and what I need to do is just like outside of my reach. Whereas in Tekken, I'm just staring at the endless ocean, no clue what to do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, one of the things now that I'm back with like to Blaze Blue a bit more. Um, I'm trying to remember how to play the game after not having played it for two months. Um, one of the things I feel fighting games and a lot of technical games in general do a poor job of is um, easing you back into it after you've been away for a while. So I'm, I'm sure people have kind of experienced this with all sorts of genres. You know, you, you don't play an MMO for a year and you come back to it and all of a sudden all the toolbars and icons make little sense. Or um, I've actually dropped some games because every time I tried to play them after a break, there were just so many different types of inputs that I wasn't really sure what I'm supposed to do. And with fighting games, you know, when you um, when you know when you have a day job and other obligations, you kind of want to spend less time, you know, going back and grinding at the same combos, trying to figure out the patch notes and things like that. And one thing that I that has always kind of um, appealed to me in Dead or Alive is that they have a very good uh, input training mode, for example. 
Because it's, it's one of those 3D fighting games that has you know, hundreds and hundreds of moves per character. And you can just go into an input training mode, and it'll literally walk you through every single input that character has. And it'll even um, adjust all the conditions you need. So for example, if it's a throw, you can only do um, from the opponent's back. It'll turn around your training dummy so the back is turned towards you. Or if it's a move, you can only counter... When the opponent does a high uh, punch move, then it'll do the same. It'll, the, the dummy will be automatically set to fulfill those conditions. So you can easily just um, remember all the inputs within, I guess, like 10 minutes of practice. Um, does it, like, is there a lot of, I, I don't, I didn't play enough Dead or Alive to know, like, are there more complicated inputs? Are there, like, motions? Or is it usually, like, button and a direction? Um, there are motions. Um uh, it's or rather, um, there aren't motions that often, but you do have things like half circle throw, for example. Okay, and it doesn't give you feedback like if you, if you, if you're currently doing half circle throw, mm-hmm. and that's that's the that's the mission you're on, mm-hmm. and you don't quite do a full half circle, and the game doesn't accept it. Does it tell you that's what happened? Um, so if you if if the training input tells you you need to do half a circle, it will not advance until you actually execute the move. And then if you want to see a demonstration of it, um, you can press a button and it'll show you what you did. However, it doesn't tell mm-hmm. you where you did the misinput. Um, so if you did, like, I don't know, a quarter circle by accident instead of a half circle, the game has no way of telling you that. Uh, instead, it'll just not progress. That's, that's too bad. That's one thing I would, I would personally like to see, especially because I feel like I get this a lot in, like, Blaze Blue, mm-hmm. is where, like, I don't get... My my DPS my 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 six two three off mm-hmm. a lot of the time in a fight, and I don't know why. Like because if I sit there in the training room and I do it, I just do it, and then in a random fight and I screw it up, and it's like I'm I know I'm screwing it up, but like if it could tell me like well the six to the two isn't quite going right, or like you're really kind of going six to six or something, if they could explain what I am doing wrong ever, and they never do. I, you know. I believe Guilty Gear does the thing you're asking for, because uh, the uh, input training board for Guilty Gear has this uh, eight-direction fight stick uh, graphic on it, and all the buttons. It's kind of like Blaze Blue's mm-hmm. training mode. Uh, but it actually shows you the motion on that uh, UI that you're supposed to make, and then when you input your motion... I think it's above that one, so you can actually see what you're inputting compared to what the game is asking you to input. Interesting. Yeah, that that sounds great. I would like to see more of that. Um, I I haven't spent much time with with Guilty Gear. Um, period. I guess, um, and I'm I'm looking to get back into it before the end of the year. So that that is encouraging to me. Yeah. Um, and aside from like inputs, like just showing you how the inputs go. Um, one other thing um, I like to do in Guilty Gear as well, uh, and Blaze Blue actually, is going through their combo challenges. Because even though they aren't usually practical and the community finds much better combos, uh, they show you which moves cancel into which moves, so you can kind of understand the basic gist of your character's flow. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in something like in Tekken, you know, you kind of go through the entire move list of a character, and then at the end, it just gives you like three. 10 hit sample combos which is you know kind of ridiculous because you don't need to show a person a 10 10 input combo you need to show them sometimes you know a three combo a two combo a five combo you don't have to go for the longest possible thing 
And like, I mean, like in in Blaze Blue, um, I did I've done a decent number of those combo challenges, and there's sort of like a clear path of like, okay, here's like a quick like three hit combo. Here's a combo off of a throw. Here's a combo where we're going to make you do a lot of jump cancels and just kind of showing you these different skills that you need to be able to do with the character. Yeah, specifically for me in, uh, for example, Guilty Gear, I always have a, a trouble remembering uh, Venom's uh, dust combo when he launches the opponent into the air and he does his air juggle. Um, and even though there are more optimized ones, I just like the convenience of going into the combo challenge and just doing that challenge until I input it right, because it's you know it's a long string. I think it's like ten inputs with jump cancels in between. Um, and even though you can just you know look up a video, read it up online, it's much easier when you have it actually in the game, and the game is set up so that it validates you when you actually pull it off, rather than just you know grinding in ter- training mode. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I'm really surprised uh, no fighting game has done so far. Um, is doing combo challenges, but letting uh, players create their own combo challenges, or just like a custom training regimen. Um, hmm. Because eventually people will find better combos, right? And obviously sure. how replays in most fighting games work is they don't save a video file of the entire match. They save the inputs in the, that happened in the match. So when you watch um, a replay... Uh, that you saved, for example, in Blaze Blue, you're just watching a CPU match with preset inputs. Um, so it's kind of weird that you have this technology for, you know, memorizing inputs, for recording inputs on a, um, a training dummy, but you don't actually try and make that for players as well. You know, it's kind of like useful. You go back into the game, and like the first thing you do is just you go through your standard issue five combos that you know that you practice. Or just techniques that you like, you know, like your parries or whatever. Yeah, and also like I, I it's on a, on a similar line. A lot of uh, fighting games have sort of like record and playback function for training dummies, where you can be like, okay, I want the training dummy to do this, and then you hit a button, and the training dummy will do the move that you've told it to do, and you can practice, you know, like blocking that or countering that. But I've never seen anyone say, like, and also I want to save this so I can load this later and not just... Because otherwise what happens is you close training room and you go back in and you have to input the playback data all over again. You have to start over from zero. Like, what if every time I booted up Blaze Blue and I was like, I need to warm up my blocking. I need to get my blocking back on point. I could just load a profile of some playback data I've already recorded of a Hawkman doing overhead, overhead, low, Zontet's overhead, you know? And just like, okay, practice that. Yeah, it, it feels like it would be a very useful uh, tool, just in general, to have this functionality of download. Like, Killer Instinct has that uh, shadow data mode thing. I can't remember exactly how it works, but it's basically a AI that, le- that learns to play in your play style, and then other players can fight against it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like... It's a really cool thing, but it's kind of also, you kind of think, like, why can't I just, you know, down, download a training dummy um, regime that somebody has made? Like, somebody, you know, like, people are having trouble fighting, I don't know, Kokonoe and Blaze Blue, and a top-tier Kokonoe player says, okay, like, here are the things each Kokonoe player will do. Uh, you can download, like, the inputs, and it just, like, you slot them, and you just do them on command, and you can kind of, like, learn what to mm-hmm. do. Rather than relying on 
basically trying to replicate what an actual pro player would do and recording that and then reacting to it. It, it just seems like yeah, there's cause... so many steps involved that you can kind of shorten for the player. Yeah, because like the the shadow clone or like the shadow I forget what it's called the shadow whatever technology in Killer Killer Instinct is actually more complicated than what we're talking about. Oh yeah, it would be yeah, easier it's to like do what super we're fucking complicated. And what we were asking for is literally just, hey, I want to download like a few kilobytes of data of just inputs. Yeah, so it seems it seems like it should be pretty doable. I know, like, yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, those yeah. are those are kind of like the, the wish list things of just being able to get back into a game. Um, now, when it comes to actually, you know, learning how to play a game, that's a completely different beast. And one of the things that annoyed me in Tekken, which I, I just personally find unacceptable, but I guess that's the, like their design philosophy, is just not giving player information about moves. Like, um, when you go into a command list, what you know, what I personally expect is you see a move, and then you can have a little, like, hint bar or whatever that actually tells you what the move does. Again, like in Arc System Works games. Yeah, it's... I, re- I remember I talked about it on the episode we did with, with Tekken, but having the experience of scrolling through this list of of moves, this huge move list of, you know, like a hundred moves for Lee, and all of them were just an input and a name and nothing. They meant nothing to me. Until I did them, and sometimes I was, I thought I was doing them, and in fact I was doing a different move, right? Like I'm practicing Kazuya, and I'm doing the electric god fist, and turn or the electric wind god fist, and it turns out I wasn't doing that one. That one's frame perfect, but it doesn't ever say that. It just lists it as being the same input, and you're just like, okay, I guess sometimes you get this one, and sometimes you get the other one. It just doesn't explain anything. Yeah, and um, I I know now when. Um, I, I went back to Blaze Blue. They made a few changes with um, Hackerman because Blaze Blue CF2 came out, the patch. And mm-hmm. that's reflected in the command list. Like, you go to Hackerman's command list, and now it tells you, hey, parries can be canceled with special moves, which wasn't the thing before. Um, really? I didn't know they updated that. That's cool. Yeah, so in general, it's a very good thing to tell you, like, oh, this move can be canceled to this other move. I know, like, I, I'm going to paraphrase this, but I know I read a few years ago an interview um, or an article with Harada of Tekken, uh, like a creative director of Tekken, uh, and he said they didn't want to offer, like, give frame data to players because um, he felt it would hurt the longevity of Tekken if players had that information instead of find, finding it out by themselves. And I feel that's why a lot of that info seems hidden. Like, I was playing... Um, so I was playing Kuma, and after two months of actively playing Tekken and playing Kuma, only last week did I, uh, by accident, realize that you could parry in his hunting stance. And his hunting stance is a thing that you can't block in. So it's more along the lines of, oh, okay, so if I'm in this stance, it's offensive, so I have no defensive options. And then by accident, I realize, oh, you can low parry in it with you know the default low parry. Yeah, that's really that's really frustrating. Um, I, I, on the one hand, I can see why Harada would want to try and, like, I don't think it's a bad instinct to say, like, I want to have things for players to discover to keep the game alive, but there, there's, think, like, players should know what buttons do. I mean, like, that, that feels like it's going too far. Yeah, it's, 
I feel it's like the attitude uh, people have with, um, um, like, spoilers. Like, if somebody's streaming a game and then the game that says, oh, please don't stream our game, we don't want spoilers. It's kind of like, well, if people want to get spoiled, they'll watch it. If they don't, they won't watch the stream. So it's kind of, I feel like it's yeah. the same with these, like, frame data and stuff like that. If If people want to find out frame data, if they feel they need to check it out to know some things... And, like, as someone who doesn't usually feel like that, I did want that for Tekken in a few instances. Like, they'll go out and find out. If people aren't mm-hmm. interested, it's just going to be a number for them. They're not really going to care about it. Yeah, I mean, like, as much as I love Blaze Blue, I can't tell you the frame data on very many things. I know a couple, like, there are a couple of moves where I'm like, oh, this is plus on block, right? But, like, yeah. I can't tell you any, like, active frames or anything. Yeah, uh, th- that's the only thing, like, I want. Like, is it safe or unsafe? That's generally my only worry. And, you know, I don't know what's plus, like, seven or plus six or whatever. I just know, okay, this is plus and this isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, like, this is a, a bit of a tangent, I'll make it quick, but one thing, this is a quality of life thing, this is this is a little bit, like, wishlisty, but um, when we get major patches, like you, you said in BlazeBlue, when, when CF2 came out, and they started, they made changes to the move list to tell you, like, oh, that you can now count, you can now cancel this, or this move works differently, it would be kind of neat for major balance patches if they had, like, little little tiny demos, little training room demos of being like, let's get you up to speed on what's changed about your character. I mean, yeah, or like, worst case scenario, just, like, link a YouTube video for each character and embed it in your game. Sure. Like, that's like the minimum effort you can do. That would be nice. I mean, as is, it's like, oh, well, like, some some Japanese players went to the arcades and, like, talked to an Arxis rep and got the patches described to them and then translated them and posted them on a forum. And it's like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the way we're doing this? So Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like for these kind of things you want to... I, I guess you want to like make it easier for people, but um, on one hand, I also don't know what the exact game dev dynamic is in Japan when it comes to like arcades versus console. Maybe they just are fine with giving patch notes to players when they release a new game because I know when I was in Japanese arcade like you had like this little booklet um, uh, attached to machines that gave you the command list of uh, each character in a game or sometimes it would just give you the newest characters like if they added new characters and things like that um, so I generally don't yeah. know how they go about it like what their pipeline is of informing people aside from you know I found out some of the translated patch notes. That's that's all that comes to me as a Western player on console. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm sure we could do better. Oh, definitely. Um. Um. And one thing. Oh, no, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say one thing that that I added in here. A lot of the, a lot of this, I sort of let you take the lead on this because I feel like you have have better you have a better analytical mind for this stuff. A lot of the time, I'm just like, well, this is frustrating, but I don't really think about the nature of the problem a lot of the time. But there is one thing in this sort of area of giving players more information I wanted to call out, which is I really find it frustrating when games clearly have, like, mechanics built into them that they never talk about or show you, like wave dashing. Um, In a lot of games, option selects, though Guilty Gear has started telling you about option selects, Um, or like, like, um, like aerial attack canceling in Super Smash Brothers with short hops, like these mechanics that are 
designed by the designers and are essential to doing certain things, but just nowhere in documentation or tutorials or anything do they ever mention that they exist. Yeah, I was a bit taken aback when um, Guilty Gear did it, because usually the attitude I've seen about option selects is, oh, that's the community name for how sometimes inputs are processed. Like, developers don't actually, you know, call it by name, but then in Guilty Gear they were just like, oh yeah, option selects exist, and we left them in intentionally, and here's how they work. Um, And I feel like when your game, like emerges with a technique because a lot of these things like I'm I'm not sure but I'm confident that wave dashing wasn't like a thing like initially I'm guessing like people found out to w- how to wave dash and then they just kept it in and smash is, mm-hmm. is that how it happened sure but it's also I mean it's a thing in like Marvel and like it was a thing in Marvel 2 and in Marvel 3 it's definitely there on purpose mm-hmm. you know yeah well yeah like like, like when, once you adopt a thing like have it work a certain way you might as well acknowledge it in the actual game i don't see why you wouldn't yeah yeah totally i think it's it's a little i mean combos were combos were yeah. glitches and then they became a thing so why wouldn't other mm-hmm. aspects of your game do that exactly um, anyway, speaking of combos and inputs, uh, probably the most controversial topic in fighting games is actually how you input moves in your fighting game and how hard or easy it is. Um, I'm going to let you take away for this one. What do you think about complex inputs? I mean, I think it's... it's. I've written... I've I've kind of gone back and forth on this. One of my first articles I ever wrote was me being frustrated with the way fighting games do inputs. Um back for back for press x or die um and i feel like there's sort of this split right because on the one hand you have this argument that i i appreciate and to a certain extent i agree with which is that inputs are a way for the developer to give you a sense of like how this character fights and their personality and also in some cases to enforce a play style right like a 720 is, like, I don't like 720s, but the point of a 720 is that you're not generally supposed to be able to just do it out of nowhere. Or, like, charge moves. You're supposed to have to play that character more defensively so that you can keep your charge. Those are sort of the ideas there, generally speaking. On the other hand, it feels like a lot of the time, inputs are just like these, like, it's the skill floor, right? It's It's this, like manual dexterity test of if you're cool enough to play their game and it feels like especially in more modern games where like you see examples of of more lenient more responsible input code and then you have games that come out that just don't do that and it feels petty it feels like they want you to fail your moves and i don't understand why they do it yeah it's it's a very um it's a very i think it's a very broad discussion because on one hand uh, your inputs will reinforce a certain playstyle, or as you say, like a certain design. And on the other hand, um, if you're aiming for a certain design, you might want to take the easy route and just like reinforce it with certain inputs. So uh, let me see if I can like find a proper example. Like let, let's go with like three sixty moves. Like that's the easiest one. Like, a 360, like you said, reinforces you have to input it, like, while you're jumping or while you're doing, you know, other types of moves. Like, you're buffering it while something else is happening. 
Um, if a grapple were not a 360, if it was just like a down forward move, uh, it would be like, yeah, like you could do it just out of nowhere. And an example of how you can do it out of nowhere is um, uh, Guilty Gear. Like Potemkin doesn't have a 360 grab. His uh, his grab is half circle half circle backwards, then forwards punch. So which is the equivalent of a super input, and it somehow manages to achieve a similar effect. So you don't have to jump to input it or something like that. You can input it while standing, but you still need to buffer it during most moves, and people end up playing it that way. Like, you do one Potemkin move, and while he's doing that move, you're actually inputting his grab. Um, So I think in a lot of cases, you can find some kind of compromise and get a similar effect. Um, I just feel it'll, I guess, a lot of players or just designers feel like, oh, this is how things are, and this is how things should be. Um, for for mm-hmm. me personally, I, I, my biggest pet peeve with inputs is uh, when they're overlapping inputs. So, for example, if you have a move that's down forward punch, and then a move that's uh, like dragon punch, and then you know, like the dragon punch motion, like the Shoryuken motion. Like actually, that's yeah, like a Hadouken from Ryu and a Shoryuken from Ryu. I actively dislike that. I just think it's dumb to have. Um, that kind of overlap because you could accidentally do another move and that might even annoy me more than not pulling off like a move like me like trying to input a hadouken and having another move come out uh frequently just is something i don't like um yeah yeah and also another thing i generally don't like is when so you you, you buy a game that's an arcade port for example and you want to play it on your controller because you bought it on console. Or you just want to play it on controller because you're used to using controller. But then the actual character is made in such a way that it requires um, an arcade stick to play. Um, one example of uh, um, that type of input is in some fighting games you have characters that require that you hold down a button and then when you want to actually execute it while moving... Uh, you release the button and the move executes. So just imagine like doing like back forward punch, and that your character is holding um, their hand on their sword hilt, and then when you you can move around do whatever, and then when you let go of punch, they pull out the sword and hit. And that's for example is sometimes very difficult to do on the gamepad because instead of using your uh, uh, index fingers, you're using your thumb, and holding down multiple buttons that way is actually ridiculous because sometimes these characters tell you oh you can hold this move and release it whenever you want but in the meantime you can input other moves so you're not actually just holding down a button you're expected to press other buttons in the meantime if you want to play the character properly mm-hmm. like i mean especially i i think the street fighter well in street fighter 5 he, this is as much of a problem too but balrog in street fighter 4 boxer you know mm-hmm. um for our japanese audiences um has the turn punch, which is you're holding down either three punches or three kicks, and then you just fight, and you hold that down, like, if you want full power on that thing, you hold it down for almost the entire round. That's insane to try and do on a, a controller. It's, I mean, you know, there's, you can set up shortcuts, you can set up button shortcuts, but, like, unless you do that, it's a huge pain in the ass and really uncomfortable. I even think it's like it might even be almost impossible on keyboard because 
holding down three buttons and then inputting like let's say three more buttons won't even register on a lot of keyboards. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. A lot of keyboards will not allow you to press that many keys at once. Yeah, and it just feels like we we I understand that. Uh, on one hand, sometimes it's uh, legacy stuff. Like I am absolutely confident if they changed, you know, Balrog's move now, people would revolt because it's a legacy thing. It's been there for you know twenty plus years. I I imagine, or at least it's been there for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's also like. Okay, we're making this game, and we're making it for arcades. Uh, we don't expect it to pour it over to anything else, and then when they pour it over to something else, they just keep it there. And yeah. I, I feel that attitude just uh, ends up in a weird catch-22, because um, what happens is we're releasing console versions of arcade games, but we're not going to you know, adapt them. Uh, we're not going to put in the effort, uh, because... They might not sell, and they don't sell because the maximum effort wasn't put in. So you go saying, "Well, well, I'm not going to put in effort next time because you know when we did this last time, it didn't sell, but it didn't sell because you didn't put in like the full package effort." It just like ends up this catch twenty two, where you have some fine game developers who don't really who just do like console ports pro form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just and it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy of like, well, you know, we didn't try because we didn't think people would buy it, and then they didn't buy it, so we're not going to try. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, and we're only yeah. recently kind of escaping that. Like, SNK, like, realized, like was, again, not doing anything on PC until recently, and, you know, now that, like, just in a short time span, you just got King of Fighters 13, uh, 98, and 2002 on Steam, and now 14, and now they're probably going to release anything else they do also on PC, and Arc System Works is doing the same. They're, like... Three years ago, it was like, oh, you you won... Like, six years ago, it was, you won a Arc System game on PC. Probably not going to happen. Three years ago, it was like, mm-hmm. you won an Arc System game on PC. It's going to happen a year later. And now we actually have, like, relatively short time span these releases. So I think people are slowly realizing, hey, we can actually do stuff outside of the arcades as well. And hopefully that translates to design choices and not just marketing decisions. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fir- when the first time we get like uh, a Blaze Blue or a Guilty Gear that comes out on console day and date with arcade or something, that'll be huge. And maybe that'll never happen. I don't know, but yeah, but I feel like that could be a pretty big shift. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but yeah. Um, also, we should cover tutorials as well. Yeah. Um, and again, to go back to Tekken, if I sound frustrated, is because, as we mentioned in the Tekken episode, Tekken has no tutorial, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's, I cannot imagine, like, why a triple-A game, why a double-A game, why a single-A game in 2017 that is gameplay-centric wouldn't have a tutorial. It's just... It's just insane. It's it's ridiculous because beyond the basic inputs, like a tutorial isn't just there to tell you here's what you press to get the effect. A good tutorial will also tell you the game plan. Like mm-hmm. just one line of a game plan is enough. For example, let's say you have a super meter in your game, and that super meter can be used to either stop chip damage or 
to do a super, but also if you don't attack, you lose your super meter. So the game, t- when it tells you how a super meter works, it first like tells you, hey, when it fills up and it glows, you can do this. Hey, you can also spend it as a defensive thing, but hey, don't be too defensive because otherwise you'll completely lose it and we want you to be aggressive. Like, we don't want you to hold back too long. And that's already telling you, oh, okay, this is an offensive game. It's not like a defense-based game. Um, and that's like that one line helps a lot because while I was playing Tekken 7, I genuinely wasn't sure whether it was an aggressive or defensive game. Like, it took me a few weeks and I'm still not... I guess it's an, a very aggressive game now. That, that's what I'm grasping. I'm guessing, like, seven. I have, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's no game plan explaining you what what these things are for. Um, and, and that just feels, like, weird, because you, if you throw a mechanic and you expect people to just, like, figure out its usage, like, that's fine, but you need to give people direction. Like, you need to tell them, hey, here's what you should be aiming for in this game. Um, you know, should I aim for stage transitions? Are they worth it? Should I aim for juggles? Wall? Should I bounce my, my opponent off wall? Should I, you know, try and win on a timeout? Is that a valid strategy or not? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of that type of thing. Like like what, or when I play Tekken, for example, should I focus on wall combos because they're you know stages that have no walls? Is that detrimental to me? Is 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 that an advantage to me? I don't know if I should like or hate. Wallless maps. Which of the two do you want me to be the thing? And even sometimes, like when they have tutorials, they're just not up to snuff. Um, and like you, you gave a, a good example there, which is the timer, right? Like I used to play. Like I got my start in fighting games, like seriously playing fighting games with Street Fighter Four. And in Street Fighter Four, playing the timer is sometimes a valid strategy, right? Yeah. And then I moved to Marvel vs. Capcom. And you cannot play the timer in that game. I'm not saying the timer never comes up, but if the, if you're ever like, okay, I'm going to run out the timer, you're probably not going to win that. That's probably not going to work out for you because the game is just like one, like a lot of fighting games, the seconds in Marvel vs. Capcom are longer than actual seconds. Um, so that's misleading if you don't know that. And then also it's just so easy to get clipped and the game is designed so that you can't just like stall for too long unless you have a team built to stall. So, like, if the tutorial had told me, like, the timer, you know, like, you know, this this is a game about aggression, don't try and, you know, like, hold them off for too long or whatever, I would have known, and I didn't. I tried to do some timer stuff, and it never worked out for me. Yeah, because usually um, there's this sense of discoverability in games, but also if... if uh, you, well, how I react when a game gives me direction, it's kind of like, oh, okay... I'll spend the time playing with the direction you told me, but then, when I've understood this enough, then I'll try and experiment with, you know, other directions. Um, for example, if it's, like, a very defensive game, I'll probably play defensively until I learn it enough, and then I'll just go, oh, okay, let me try and play offensively. How How's the dynamic now? Now I understand how defense works in the game. Maybe it helps. Like, there's no shame in telling your player how you want them to play your game or how you expect them to play your game. Because that doesn't necessarily mean you don't have room to do stuff. It's just kind of like the most basic direction, I guess. Yeah, like, trust me, if if players find a way that they enjoy to play the game and they find more effective than what you've told them to do, they're going to do that. You don't need to worry. <laughs> yeah, um, another example of direction is, um, 
like for me, for example, why I bounce off of Skullgirls is um, I was like I was told like when it released like oh you can pick one two or three characters to play with right and it scales with that so I was giving the impression oh okay every kind of like combo is valid in that sense so I can play this game as I play my other fighting games just one versus whatever uh, but then when I spent you know a few days with the game I quickly realized I was losing and then I realized oh actually if I don't have an assist I'm essentially like handicapped in this game there's no like mm-hmm. health boost that will actually help me overcome a lack of an assist yeah unless you both sort of like go this undergo this blood oath to both just pick one character picking one character is is you're handicapping yourself you are screwing yourself in Skullgirls, and it's frustrating yeah yeah um so yeah please when you're doing a tutorial don't just you know do the uh checklist thing um, well, actually, now the Tekken didn't have a tutorial. First, I'll say, if you have any sort of tutorial, thank you. Um, yeah. But if you have a tutorial, don't just do a checklist of press forward, press back, press punch, press kick. Okay, you're ready. Um, try and give a few direction. Like, like, one extra sentence can mean a lot. Like, Guilty Gear, I know I mentioned this before, but you know, Skullgirls had the best tutorial for the longest time. Then Killer Instinct came along, and that had a really, really good tutorial. And now Guilty Gear XRD um, Revelator has its own tutorial, which is also pretty in-depth. Like, it explains all the things at every step. And even, like, something as simple as, you know, oh, let me show you how to move. It doesn't just tell you press forward, press back. It actually makes you jump over obstacles so you can learn how to maneuver. And also another thing that, that Arxis has been doing in the past handful of years with their tutorials is... One, and just sort of making them more enjoyable, they tend to have them framed as one character giving another character a tutorial. It is, like, in-character voice. And that gives them room to, like, when they teach you how to block, that character's then like, this is really useful for when you feel like you're getting pressured, or, like, you they teach you how to do a burst, and they're like, you need to use this when you see your enemy starting a big combo, and they explain what things are good for. Yes, yes, and, and that means a lot. Like, trust me... A lot of people think, like, oh, I should go without saying what a burst is for. If it's your first fighting game, or if you have surface-level knowledge of a fighting game, or even if this is your second fighting game, like, you've spent your whole life playing Street Fighter, and now you go into Guilty Gear, you need something, otherwise you will be completely lost. And don't forget that in early Blaze Blue, bursts were considered great ways to start combos. Yes. <laughs> Things have changed. Yes, uh... Well, things really have changed. Holy shit, I forgot gold bursts. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So like, like that's that's one of the ultimate lessons, of not just of fighting games, but of games in general, is a lot of things that insiders think are obvious are just things that we've learned over time and are super not obvious. No, no. Like, tr- so. just to give an example, um, anyone who has played Tekken knows how to block, right? When when mm-hmm. I started checking, I knew that if I don't input anything, I block, uh, you know, I, I block high and mid. I didn't know how to block low. I wasn't sure if I had to press down or I had to press back down. And because I wasn't also sure, uh, actually, yeah, it took me a week to realize that in Tekken, a mid move hits you if you're blocking low. And I did not know this. What? Yes. You block. I still didn't know that. You don't know that? Yep, no. Yep. Uh, the equivalent of an overhead in Tekken is actually a low move. It's, it's, huh. it's inverted. 
See? 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 There's no- nothing telling you these things. No, nothing. Weird. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Ha. Huh. Um, so, yeah. Um, and one last point I want to go over before we close this off. And this is this is a bit more um, game designy in depth, but it's more it's about messaging. And in the way of, like, we talked about, like, messaging telling you what the game wants from you. Uh, this is more like the feedback the game gives you. Um, so, I, my theory why Tekken is popular is because it has the best feedback on a low level from any fighting game. Because one button is one limb, right? So, if, I'm, if I've never played a video game or a fighting game and you give me a controller, I will understand, okay, this button is my left, uh, left arm. If I keep pressing it, I will keep hitting with my left arm. But if I press this button, like my left arm and my right arm, that means I will do a one-two thing, right? And for a lot of characters, that's how it does play out. But now, if you're playing something like, let's say, let's say Guilty Gear, um, you have like this button is a punch, this button is a kick, this button is a slash, this button is a hard slash. So these are like already we're going into abstract concepts. But then it's like, how do I, you know, how do I do my fire move or lightning move with Kai uh, in Guilty Gear? Oh, well, you press down forward a button and then that move comes out. And there's no, there's no like actual like real world correlation. It's kind of like a two step process because you're telling someone first, here is the controller. This is your input device. Then you're telling them, here is what the individual things in the input device uh, do and then you tell them here's the sequence of inputs that will actually like give you something so like and and for it sounds it might sound absurd thinking in, about fighting games in those terms because again it's a staple but when you look at other genres you know if you look at like a shooting game you don't have a motion to um, throw a grenade you have a button to throw a grenade because it's a one step process it's button grenade it's not down forward, secondary, accessory, then you get a grenade. I hope I'm, I'm getting, like, I'm, I'm making sense with all of this, right? Yeah, it's just like we, we, like, we add more steps to the process of, of inputs, like, between, between intention and result. Yeah, exactly. And this is, like, um, I'm, I'm just gonna say, like, this is, like, impossible to apply to, like, every game ever. It's more like, Hey, if you're making a new game from scratch, it might be good to like actually break down how many how many processes, like mental and physical processes, even if it's just very simple stuff, does the player need to go through to get an effect on screen? Because at the end of the day, that it might not dictate how deep your game will be. I don't think it like correlates to death. It just correlates to general first impression. Because I'm I, I think like with if you stick with any game long enough, you'll learn all the nuances and weird things. But you want people to kind of you know, on board on your game. You kinda of want them to get into it first. If they can't get into it they won't understand it more in depth either. Yeah. Yeah, you need to you need to help people get in the door. Yeah. You know. And maybe maybe the stylish mode, the easy input is the way to do that as an introductionary thing. I just I just have yet to see someone do it properly. Like uh, basically ideally what you'd probably want is an easy input mode 
but an easy input mode that's introduction to a proper input mode. So after you've played the easy mode input for a long time, the actual technical one just comes second nature. You don't have to relearn it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So good luck to anyone trying to do that because it's I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, me neither. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Neutral Game, folks. If you like the show, you could rate us on iTunes or Google Play, or I think we're on Stitcher. Um, and also, you could tell a friend. Um, this is like a great podcast for for people who you are trying to get into fighting games, or for people who are veterans and just want to, you know, think a little harder about the way fighting games are built and what they do right and what they do wrong, and and you know, the mechanics behind them. Um, my brain just stopped, Mio. Uh, you're 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 about to plug our social media and where people can contact. Yes, us. I was. Of course, I was. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at 6264. Hey, I know. It's going to be in the show notes. You can just look there. There'll be a link. Um, where can they find you, Mio? Uh, you can find me at MDKII. That's MDK uh, Roman numerals for two. Um, and feel free to tweet at me or yell at me or, I don't know, fav my pinned tweet or like it. I can't even remember what it's called now. I think it's likes now. Um, yeah. We're generally open to any criticism, topic ideas, or just general, uh, comments. Yeah, so if, if there's, there's a fighting game topic you think we should address going forward, you can go ahead and hit us up, or if you just want to, you know, say like, hey, you did this bad, hey, you did this good, or, you know, hey, I've got a question, even if you don't want it, you want it answered on air or off, we could probably make that happen if it's a good, you know, listen, if it's a bad question, we're not reading it on air, but we're open. Yes. Hit us up. Um, and yeah, uh, follow, f- uh, make sure to like leave a review on iTunes if you're listening there, because that also helps somehow I'm told. Yes. Yes. Visibility. Visibility is key. Good. Thanks so much folks. We'll see you next month. Bye bye.